0: Listening to the PWBA Podcast, a show about the current superstars and legends of the Professional Women's Bowling Association. Join Bowl TV's Jason Thomas and Aaron Smith as they bring you a collection of stories, history, and the latest happenings from the best women bowlers in the world. Happy Monday, Aaron Smith!
1: hello jason thomas uh we're back at the pwba podcast after an exciting week of pwba action we actually get to say that again that's that's we, fun stuff we get yeah. to, we get to talk about bowling
0: yeah i got my official i survived the pwba kickoff <laughs> classic t-shirt uh we'll have to get you one of those as well because even though you weren't in the bubble you got to uh, experience it from upstairs here in the uh in the campus Hi.
1: I, I did survive as well. I'm, I'm here. we even survived a collegiate event this weekend. so we are uh, we are back in event mode. We're like Just cockroaches.
0: Like you can't kill us. <laughs> There's nothing you can do.
1: Uh, on that note, jt <laughs> I don't I don't know if I can come back from that. but uh, you know today we're gonna uh, essentially recap the kickoff classic series, the first three events of the national tour. the first regional event of twenty twenty one happened. Only about five days ago, even though it seems uh, a little bit longer than that after the, that uh, that week, that experience. But uh, what a great experience it was. Uh, Shannon O'Keefe, Brianna Cote, and Julia Bond all winning national titles. Jacqueline Evans winning the regional. Uh, some new faces emerging and some, uh, some ones we haven't seen in a while as well. So uh, it was definitely an awesome experience. And uh, I, I think the Bull TV community, uh, big shout out to them throughout the course of it for uh, just showing all the love uh, for the PWBA being back.
0: Yeah, we definitely did see a lot of love and there was a lot of pent up demand to watch these ladies bowl. And, you know, we did that first event and uh, it was basically like, well, the world hasn't changed much, even though everything's changed. It's still uh, Shannon and Danielle. And then the last two events happened. Actually, last three events happened. And it was like, whoa, we've got some storylines here we were not (laughs) expecting. (laughs) It was it was pretty great stuff. It was great seeing Julia Bond win her first title. And uh, validating our decision to put her in the opening animation of the the PWBA on Bull TV, um, we all knew that she would be a superstar. But it was cool to see her actually validate that and go through that process. And it's just neat when you see that moment happen when you know something's going to happen. It's neat to actually get to see it happen. And so that was cool. Um, obviously, Jillian Martin was was spectacular, and mm-hmm. um, she was she was you know probably the biggest story of of the whole event. Um, but uh, Lindsay Boomershine was a great story. I mean we just we foreshadowed that on the podcast. and I mean she came out guns blazing and she's like a different person. Um, it was It was really, really cool to see that. And then Brianna Cote's story was, was pretty cool, I thought as well. Just you know the, the fact that she got her second title and to a lot of these players that you know the second title is the one that really validates uh, you as a player because it shows you're not a fluke.
1: Yeah, the uh, the win for Brie at the ITRC Classic, uh, a long time coming, nearly five seasons between victories from her first win in Lexington back in 2016. Some close cl- some close calls along the way, some heartbreak. Uh, so to see Brie come through, make a good shot when she needed it, and then uh, how about some spare shooting getting rewarded this week, making that ten pin uh, to take care of business and get that title. That was uh, that was definitely awesome to see. We all know how how uh, how much work and time uh Brianna puts in to make sure uh she's been ready for the tour the past couple of seasons. So it's great to see that uh come away with a victory.
0: Yeah, it was. And then the other story too that we we um didn't really cover a lot after, you know, the the second event was Danielle McEwen. Um, you know, that was a shocking way for her event to end. Uh missing the cut for the Hall of Fame. Uh, classic, and, and she was obviously devastated. And, um, you know, we, we've spoken to her since. And, uh, you know, sh- she she's going to be back ready when the season starts back up again. But what a shocking finish for her after after coming out and leading that first event. Um, it was it was just just I uh, would just throw through us for a loop for sure. Uh, so that's just something we'll follow. You're going to have a hard time writing the power rankings uh, is my <laughs> guess. Uh, <laughs> after
1: that. wait, no one's supposed to know I write that. That's why I put an administrator <laughs> on it. So, uh, yeah, that's going to be a fun, uh, fun article to put together to, uh, kind of reevaluate everything after, uh, these first three events, obviously not all the competitors in the field who are, uh, you know, in the power rankings, you look at, uh, someone like Liz Culkin, Shannon Pluhowski, Verdi Crawley were all, uh, players who were or did not compete all for various reasons. Uh, so it's tough to, uh, you know, affect people for that reason. But uh, there were some folks who made a lot of noise that week uh, who are definitely making their way into that next r- ranking, including Lindsay. Uh So her uh, her strong start can't be ignored. Uh, so, yeah, we'll – or I guess I will we'll have some tough decisions down yeah, the road. But good uh, luck. Good luck uh, with it. Yes, thanks. Thanks for throwing <laughs> me under the bus there. Appreciate that. <laughs>
0: If you need any help, uh, I know a lot of people that can help you that aren't me. All right. (laughs) Sounds good. Sounds good, JT.
1: (laughs) But uh, what do you say we bring in our guest for today? Uh, Not only is she a USBC Hall of Famer, a four-time PWBA Tour Champion, Major Milligan, she's also the Director of Operations and was a big part of everything that went on this past week at the Kickoff Classic Series. So uh, let's bring her in. The one, the only, Tennille Milligan.
2: Hey, look there's our sticker
0: <laughs> yes our uh, commemorative post post-it note I'll, hang on our uh, on our monitors our i office. got
2: one for each of the staff and also the athletes that competed this week nice i'm sure we'll all cherish those forever <laughs>
1: So Tenille, you're uh, you're back at the essentially the same building that the ITRC is held at, but obviously not inside the IDRC. Uh, but what was it like after that long trip, uh, making it all the way out there to Arlington for, uh, for this experience? Uh, obviously a uh, unique situation, one of a kind, if you will. Uh, so just how are you doing after the, uh, the long 10, 11 days there, uh, following the procedures and protocol in place?
2: Whoa, that long 10-mile drive from my home, Uh, that was the longest 10 miles to drive back after the ITRC Classic because I was so excited to sleep in my own bed. Not that the Hyatt didn't have comfortable beds, but I was excited, Um, and also to hug my family. But it was, uh, yeah, I'm well-rested now, taking a couple days um, to just relax and reflect on what a historic week that we were part of.
0: Yeah. What are some of the, the thoughts that you have now that you, you know, had a few days, obviously we talked about it, you know, right after, but now that you've had kind of a few days to think about, you know, what, what do you take from the event and what were some of the big
2: storylines in your mind? Well, storylines, I mean, so many different ones, right? The ones that we kind of pre-written, like this could happen. Um, nothing that we thought would happen. Um, Big storylines for me. I mean, clearly Shannon didn't, you know, remember that we're in a pandemic and she just continued her winning ways and that's how she kicked it off. But um, so that was fun and exciting. Um, The second event, Brianna Cote, um, she works this whole time during the pandemic in in an industry that was selling supplies. So it was kind of, um, happy to see her succeed through the, you know, through the situation she's been going through. Erin McCarthy, I mean, a frontline worker, in the COVID unit, making two of our shows. Um, so for her, that was a great story. Julia Vaughn breaking through. And then, of course, our, um, our up-and-coming superstar, Jillian Martin.
0: Yeah, for sure, and uh, you know, Aaron kind of alluded to it in the beginning, but Jody Scherer coming back, you know, after you know everything she's been through, and um, you know, former rookie of the year, uh, come to come out and lead that regional was was a great story. Obviously, uh, Jacqueline Evans won won the regional, and that's a great thing for her, and I'm sure she'll she'll you know use that as a springboard you know for her future competition on the tour, but to see Jody come back, I'm sure that was a pretty cool story for you.
2: It was, it was a, you know, a familiar seasoned face that I hadn't seen in a while from, you know, when she started tour in 98, I started in 2000. So she was a very welcoming person to me when I went on the road for the first time. So to kind of turn it around. And when she comes back out on, on the road here, I'm the welcoming face in a whole different light, not just as a competitor, but as I, as I call it, the, the tour mom.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She was so nice too. I mean, you introduced her to me at before, you know, the, the finals of the regional and she just couldn't have been a nicer person. And then uh, she came, she came on the next day after the regional and just talked about, you know, what it meant to her and all the, all the love that she got, you know, via social you know, from, from the performance. And I just thought that
2: was so cool. Yeah. She, um, you know, the ladies who had competed in that time frame, you know, with Jody against Jody, I saw a lot of social media buzz from that group. Uh, just congratulating her way to go. They're ready to come back. So I think we may see some, some older faces, you know, put their shoes back on Jody can do it. They're like, yeah, let's, let's take it over again. So
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's great. That's awesome.
1: Now, Neil when we look at uh, kind of the culmination of this event and we talk about, uh, you know, it, we're going to be talking about this thing years and years and years from now. And it's, uh, you know, it was a labor of work, a labor of love for the PWBA staff just to even get into a place to make this, you know, potentially at times what felt like a somewhat crazy plan happen. Uh, so kind of talk the folks through just the process of kind of, uh, the beginning of this idea to completion, how many revisions did it take? How many, uh, meetings, how much, how much time just to kind of put it all together to, uh, make this whole thing happen for the kickoff classic.
2: This is an hour show, right, Aaron? Or is <laughs>
1: an hour show. Maybe an hour and a half.
2: We can go as long as we want. It's okay. Show. All right. Well, it all started back in 2015. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Um, yeah, just a lot of, I mean, again, crazy, right? I mean, a pandemic shutting down a tour to bringing it back. And it is a labor of love. And this didn't just happen overnight. It's months and months and months in the works, um, uh, business plans, protocols, and procedures. We have a fabulous team here that, you know, did the research. They looked. they worked with CDC. They, I don't know how many of, in that group, I wasn't part of those, um, meetings in the protocols and procedures, but I'm sure they must've been in more than 25 hours a week in these meetings, just going through, you know, what is happening today? Let's check in, you know, Oh, this changed. But when we started working on formats and thoughts and how long and hotels, and I mean, revisions, I'm probably 10 plus that we sat there and we what we walked through and, We, you know, nitpicked and we X red penned and it was um, it was frustrating at times to know, oh, my gosh, all this work that goes into it. But at the end of the day, knowing that it was, you know, the right thing to do, the best thing to do and that we pulled it off and that we could do it again tomorrow. Are you ready? I'm ready. I got roll call started.
1: Let's go.
0: Yeah, there were a few check-ins or checkpoints, I guess we could call it, you know, once we had the, the idea in place. Um, so I walked people through kind of how we did the gut checks and, 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 you know, just made the decision to, you know, keep pushing forward. Yeah,
2: as we go through, it, you know, the checkpoints, where are we at? What are we looking at? How do we feel? You know, there was a group It wasn't just, you know, two people in a a meeting room. There was a bunch, Zoom calls, um, you know, working with with the leadership. How do we feel on this point? Okay, let's move on to the next point. After everybody kind of was on the same page there, we even took it to the players. We had check-ins with the athletes. Hey, this is what we're talking about. What do you guys think? Oh, you guys see this. This works. This doesn't work. All right, let's Take it back to another checkpoint. And we worked through this process until again it came down to, hey, do we feel like we can go? And the answer was yes. You know, did it sometimes feel like an eternity before we could say yes? Sure. But it was for the correct, you know, the correct, you know, the right reasons on why we were doing it to get women's bullying back in front of everyone.
1: Now, when we uh, when we kind of look at the the big moment, uh, obviously the players all had to, had to test prior to uh, making their way to Arlington, and then I, I think the big moment for everybody was uh, was the phone call, and the players were uh, were not shy to share about it on social media. Uh, the news that everyone had come back negative from the test on site. Uh, obviously, that was a great moment all around the you know the work, the the time, the effort by the players to make sure they were safe, the staff. Just everybody, uh, you know, they, they, they wanted to do right by everyone else there to make this happen. Uh, but for you guys, uh, you know, you and Rob, and just kind of waiting on that. How nerve-wracking was that waiting for that moment to kind of get all those tests back? And then uh, obviously the excitement of getting to tell the players, hey, we're doing this thing. Everybody's healthy. Let's get it.
2: Yeah, palms are still sweating now. Just thinking about, you know, waiting for those test results to come back. You know, there's always a um, plan B. So, you know, working with Rob and waiting for those test results, we had scheduled for that evening a player Zoom call, a welcome call about 6.30 at night just to welcome him back, explain what's going to happen. Well, when Rob received the test results around, I think it was around noon, Chad broke the exciting news on the podcast, which was great. We were so excited once it went through. We called another player Zoom call, I believe, about 3.30 in the afternoon. We moved it up. So a bunch of the ladies texted me, uh, is this good or is this bad? <laughs> and I said, well, I'll see you at 3.30. <laughs> <laughs> so knowing that they were all tested you know, negative, plan B took place and we could have an unofficial practice session. And that was, you know, I think a big sigh of relief, not just for the staff, but also for the players, that they got to come out of their room and they were all instructed that they could be here one hour prior. I think we had a line at the door at about an hour and a half prior. They were all ready um, to go. But that was probably the most nerve wracking um, tournament experience that I've been through whether as a tournament director, or as a player, or even as a mom <laughs> watching. <laughs> um, but it was a pleasant one. And we always like to give them happy news, but we couldn't tell them that was the plan just in case something happened. So we'd rather um, make them excited, have them be excited instead of disappointed.
0: Yeah, they were definitely excited. But you know, one of the things that I really enjoyed about being in the bubble was the food. Um, the food was actually just tremendous. And Aaron, I'm sorry you didn't get to eat any of it, but uh, I got a taste
1: uh, at the end. So now <laughs> I knew what I was missing out on after a week full of Lunchables and I, peanut I butter didn't, sandwiches.
0: <laughs> yeah, they didn't have that on the menu at the caterer. But anyway, um, it, it, uh, it's really hard to pick food for 50 people and not get any complaints. But just talk a little bit about you know the process that you guys went through to, to decide on the food, like what some of the dietary restrictions you kind of had to juggle, and then um, you know what we ended up going with in terms of the food and then what everybody thought of it.
2: So we found this amazing catering company, Creative Cuisine, out of Dallas, Texas. They were the 2017, I think, catering company of the year. Um, highly recommended um, working with their leadership team explaining to them hey we have athletes we're going to be in a in a in a bubble situation we need lunch and dinner um, we have a lot of different uh, dietary needs um, that we'll need to work with so they came up with a menu for three different options vegetarian I think we had a a chicken option and a meat option um,
0: yes I remember I had the lasagna
2: Yes, that chicken
0: lasagna one night. I yeah, never, never <laughs> failed to mention a, a an airplane uh, reference. If I can. <laughs> you got to get it
2: can't, got to get it lasagna. <laughs> so we sent this out to our our athletes. You had to fill out the menu and three different selections. And if it was something that, you know, they didn't like, they sent it back to me. We worked with the catering company to try to give them the best, um, you know options that they could. Now, if they decided that they didn't like anything that evening, uh, Uber Eats, contactless delivery um, was in their choice. But to try to plan meals for 50 plus people and not get a lot of complaints, um, we pulled it off. At least yeah. they didn't complain to us too much. But one thing we did get was, mm, it was good. <laughs> yeah. What was the name of the company again? Creative cuisine.
0: Okay, yeah, I'm just I'm trying to get their name out there so that we can get a deal the next time we use them.
2: <laughs> yeah, for the next like, time, right? I like that for our next staff meeting. Exactly. Yes. But yes, they. It, it was. I mean, again, a lot of work, a lot of thought went into that process. Of, you know, breakfast was served at the hotel. We had a private room that the all the athletes and the staff could go into. That was a, a away from the other hotel guest I mean again talk about the hotel we had floors three and four that was reserved exclusively for PWba and no one else so again another process that we thought about using the stairs up and down signage throughout the throughout the building um, but yeah the, the food alone everybody was wonderful they no complaints a lot <laughs> a couple of them was eh, chicken again but it was their selections.
0: Yeah. Now, did, uh, what th- the feedback I got from the players was all extraordinarily positive. What, what were some of the things that the players have told you, you know, coming out of the event? And then maybe even some, some uh, feedback from some players that weren't at the event about, you know, what they had heard and what their plans are and wh- whether they would, you know, do this in the future or maybe regret not even not coming to this one.
2: Yes. A lot of them responded in in the sense of, you know, they didn't really have to think much outside about where they, where they wanted to go eat, what they needed to do. It was all scheduled. So they had time to just think about bowling. They had time to, you know, step away and not have to have distractions from the outside world. Some of them still worked. Some of them still did this, you know, items that they, they would have needed to do at home just via the internet. But they were all very happy to have that scheduled time, including our practice sessions. So our practice sessions were scheduled where movements, normally it's just a free-for-all for 90 minutes. You can go anywhere you want. But in this case, to try to, you know, keep down all the movement throughout the building and making sure we know, you know, where everybody is at any given time you practice with that group. So you practice on a pair for 12 minutes and then you had three minutes to move lanes. And what a few of those athletes had relayed back was, I really liked not being rushed. I had that three minutes to move and I could go get something to drink. I can move my equipment. I didn't have to feel like it was just this chaotic mess and I couldn't concentrate on watching my ball reaction. I was more concerned about how quickly I could move from pair to pair. So that was that was good to hear.
0: Yeah, it it really felt to me like a, almost like a a special event, you know, like the tour championship, um, where you know in the past it was an invite only. Obviously, we don't have that event, you know, this year. Uh, but it, it really did feel like something special, right? I mean, is that what the feedback you got from the
2: players as well? Absolutely. They, you know, not that we don't treat them special week to week. (laughs) We just had a little bit more time to really focus on what we, you know, are asking of our players and what we need of them to keep everybody again in a safe environment. So if you go into a locker room on any given week, Bowling balls are throwing all over the place and you got to pick a spot. Well, in this case, we taped down their spots. We, you know, took a measuring tape and said, how many bowling balls can fit into here? 15 bowling balls are a max. We spaced those out across. We even printed out their names on little sticker sheets that had their name on it. So they knew where their, where their bowling balls would go. They didn't have to worry about during... Their practice session, somebody stealing their spot in the yeah.
0: locker room. Yeah, I have a funny story about that. I was I was talking to John Martin, and he asked me at one point in the turn. He said, "Hey, do you think we can keep the uh, locker room plaque with her name on it?" And and I said, "Yeah, of course." He said, "Well, would you be able to print a new one? We because our hers is getting a little dirty." And I was like, "Oh yeah, we could do that." And I said, "But you know, she might be going home with a bigger souvenir. She might be going home with that big trophy that's sitting over on the." He kind of laughed, and uh, obviously she didn't get the trophy, but um, we'll, we'll print her a name plaque. But those were pretty, we can, those are really cool.
2: Yes, and and the athletes at the end of the week, can we take our names home? I'm like, yes, please take them home. One less thing. We <laughs> <love>. <laughs> but it, it's it's those little touches to where when they came in, they didn't worry, have to worry about it, anything but bowling, and that's really what our job is to allow them to do is to worry about bowling. Worry about putting on your bowling shoes. Worry about making sure your ball surfaces are correct. Making sure you bowl on the correct lane with your name. That's really what they could focus on. They didn't have to worry about anything else. So, I Again, going back to a special event, yes, they are great athletes and they deserve that. We're even thinking about, don't, ladies, if you're listening to this, don't just in case we don't do it. We are thinking about doing it moving forward.
0: Yeah, so so let's move into the bowling because we know obviously you're one of the all-time great bowlers and a bowling fan. I know you don't get to watch as much bowling, ironically, uh, as you as you would like uh, running the event. But what was your impression of the of the quality level of the bowling? I think some of us were concerned that maybe the players wouldn't be as sharp as they normally are. But uh, what was your impression of of the actual competition?
2: So I, I am a bowling fan. So I did go out and watch because I wanted to see what was happening, what was going on. And for some of them not bowling for a while they're still really good and I'm <laughs> to see what they do when they do get back into it. Um, it just to watch them, watch them bowl with pure joy to be able to bowl again, put a smile on my face and not too many things put a smile on my face. <laughs> um, but it was, it was, I got this warm, fuzzy feeling inside. Like, wow. Like this is it. This is, This is what women's bowling is all about. And we, yes, we missed some of our regulars and we can't wait to watch them again. But the ones that had shooed up for this event, they were absolutely amazing. Amazing to watch them day in and day out. So the first day you could see the jitters were still in place, which was, it's always fun because you're just ready to go. And they just got more comfortable as the days went on. And even as you got into that last event where it was a little bit more of a demanding lane condition, they were still, they were, they were getting sharper and sharper, but I know I, I forget who it was. I, it might've been, it might've been Jillian or one of our rookies out, um, out there, Maria, somebody. And I just wanted to remind them why I am not putting my bowling shoes back on. (laughs) They were that good.
0: Yeah. Yeah. What were some of the surprises for you that as far as performance wise?
2: Well, performance wise overall, I mean, I mean, honestly, I'll go back to Erin. I use Erin as the example just because she is a full time nurse. So how much time and effort and, you know, is she awake? Is she sleeping? What is she doing to practice to get into the rhythm and into be able to bowl at a high competitive level at this event and for her to do so. I mean, it just proves you can do anything with two hours of sleep.
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah. (laughs) Um, You know, and I've watched Jillian Martin over, you know, her young career junior golds and, you know, she's, she's going to be something special. She's out there. And she, again, another athlete who complete who, who competes with pure joy of just competing. And it really showed in her, in her scores.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I know Lindsay is somebody that you've, you know, we've played some jokes on her and whatnot, but um, she's somebody who uh, I I know you care for a great, I mean, you care for all the players a great deal, but what was your impression of her performance this week and just kind of how it seems like she's turned the corner with her overall mental approach to the game?
2: Yeah, Lindsay, I mean, she's she's just, you know, waiting for that for that special break to happen for her and it will. And it it almost did this weekend or this week. It she um she works hard and she really cares and she wants to she wants to break through. She wants to win. Everybody wants to win, but you could see the prep that she has gone through from two years ago when she ended at a tour championship, and such devastation of not winning matches, to the very first ball she threw, where she was fully focused. I don't know if it's her pre-shot routine. Something was different about her, her demeanor, and she's she's going to win. She's going to win this year. I have no doubt about it. Um, but yeah, it was there was something different. There was something that was just so much more. Um, she was more present. She was present through every shot and she, yeah, she'll, she'll get there.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. I I thought a big moment for her, you know, in, you know, looking at the stepladder finals, obviously uh, it did not result in a victory, but uh, you know, thinking to that seven, 10, how that's uh, been something that's gotten her in the past on a couple of shows. And, you know, uh, with Julia getting off to a strong start uh, you know, Uh, One of the things that uh, CDB mentioned during the telecast was about having to dig deep in these situations, and uh, for Lindsay to fight through that, make some uh, make some great shots down the stretch uh, to put herself in position to win. Uh, I I thought that was a a great next step for her into just getting so much closer to uh, taking home that title. I, I thought, you know, even though it didn't result in a victory, there were. Uh, and, you know, she joked a little bit about it at the end, but, uh, you, you know, that's, that's what you do in those situations, trying to make light of them. But uh, but uh, I mean, that would that, that like seventh, seventh, eighth, ninth frames for her, I, I thought were just humongous moving forward uh, for what uh, what could be a breakout year for her.
2: Yeah, I, I think old Lindsay, you know, going back to some of those older shows where she caught a bad break, um, she would have just let that have affected her the rest of the game. Where in this case, I don't think she thought about it anymore. She just moved on and she stepped up, did her pre-shot routine, didn't let anything mess her up, where I think previously she would have rushed through it. So very proud of Lindsay of working through that. And and again, that confidence builder at seven tens, I mean, can't do anything about that. But for, for her to just continue to push and push and push and not reflect back and say, well, in this lane, I sucked. You know, oh, I got a bad break. She didn't put any of that of, oh, woe is me. She's like, forget it. Let's go.
0: Yeah, I just want to get back to Jillian Martin a little bit. You know, she was such a huge story, you know, at the event and obviously bold, fantastic, had a chance to win two of the titles, actually three. Really, she made the match play in the in the other one, but uh, we got a few questions from people about you know amateur status and you know collegiate eligibility things like that. Um, I've answered a few questions on on the Beef and Barnsey show about it. Why, Why don't you? Explain to people listening, you know, about how someone like Jillian, you know, can compete in these events without affecting your college eligibility. And then, you know, what our policies are PWBA wise in terms of, you know, the amateur to cash rule.
2: Yes, definitely. So amateurs, you know, we welcome non-members to come out to participate in PWBA events, but they're only allowed to participate and cash in cash into two events. And this classic series is counted as one because it is a series. So we want them to come out on tour, but we don't want them to bowl every event and just continue to take, you know, money without committing. And our PWA membership has committed, but we want them to get the experience. You know, you got to get your feet well, but it's really hard to dive into that big ocean with the sharks without just dipping your toe in the pond a little bit, but if you want to jump in, you can. You just can't jump in the entire time. You must com- You must commit. And as far as eligibility, you know, she, her earnings go to SMART program. So again, she doesn't collect any of these funds personally to go, you know, go shopping at Bloomingdale's or wherever you may want to shop Target. Um, 16 year olds, I don't know where they shop these days, but
0: <laughs> <laughs> I do, unfortunately.
2: Yeah. They, aren't but, cheap. Um, they, they do mark the box. Her father signed a waiver form and that protects her. Um, and we make sure that again, all of her monies go into smart.
0: Yeah. So she basically paid for, you know, a, a good chunk of a year of school from her performance this week. Right
2: absolutely absolutely invest into her educational future
0: yeah that's awesome that's awesome and you know i I would imagine also that you know i mean the thing about jillian martin she's not even in the highest age division in junior gold yet right so what do you think her doing this well is going to have as far as an impact on some of these younger you know girls who are looking to, to bowl pwba
2: events well, she's, a, she's an influencer. She was an influencer before she came out and tried the PWA Tour into this event. She bowls many youth events. The athletes that she's competing against looked up to her. And so if they see her going out and competing, and if they've competed with or against Jillian, they know that they can do it too. So again, I think it's just the peer-to-peer of showing, hey, we don't have to be afraid We just need to take a chance. And I think that just will encourage more and more young female athletes to take that chance. And that's what we're hoping for.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think it's a great thing. I mean, can you imagine next time we do the trade show at Junior Gold, the the mob that is gonna be following Jillian around wanting her autograph and stuff? It's gonna be crazy.
2: Well, I'm gonna follow her around at Junior Gold (laughs) to try to get her autograph.
0: Yeah, you might as well get it now so that, you know, you can sell it on eBay, make a bunch of money.
2: Uh, exactly. exactly. But I think, I mean, for her to have such success out here, to be comfortable and confident, and for her to be able to go back and share that experience with her friends, with her bowling community friends, with her school friends, I mean, it will say a lot. And it even says a lot for, for the athletes that were out here who welcomed Jillian in. You know, they, hey, Jillian, glad to see you. It just makes our tour that much better to have someone who is a young superstar come out because in, what is it, six or eight years, she is going to be, well, I'm hoping, a PWA member. Yeah, And it's just going to go back to, again, at that time when she's back out here, 25 years old, you know, she's going to be seasoned in there at 25 and another 16-year-old may step up. Yeah. And we're going to replay that same story of when she stepped up against Hall of Famer Liz Johnson. Right. Not just once, but three times. Right. right. So now here comes this new, I'm going to just call it 14. Let's just call the 14-year-old stepping in, bowling against Jillian, and she's going to have a flashback and go, whoa. Yeah. Who's this Who's this young whippersnapper in here? It's full circle. But then, but then realize that, oh, I did that. Yeah so yeah. it's, it's it's a great
0: thing she might have some new tricks about how to how to uh trip up that that 14 year old though uh mentally <laughs> with a little extra perspective uh one other thing i wanted to, to talk about just related to the format and rules stuff which you know i thought the format was really cool i think the players really liked it um i, I feel like the fans enjoyed it but a lot of the I got a few questions about the dropping of the pins, you know, for the Hall of Fame Classic. So if you could try to explain to people what the thought process was behind that and why it was the right decision.
2: So, again, to qualify for the Hall of Fame Classic, 24 games, 24 match play games, 24 athletes, they qualified based on two different events. So you had qualifying from the Bowlers Journal Classic and then you had nine games of qualifying from the ITRC Classic. I mean, we saw it in Danielle. I I hate to use Danielle as an example, but she led. She had all these pins. Well, she almost made it to the next one, didn't bowl that great. So, again, trying to even the field. You want to drop all those pins to even the field. Two separate qualifying. You don't want somebody to run away at one event, have that much of a lead, and just bowl bowl mediocre in the others. Does that make sense? Yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean, I've seen it at the World Series of Bowling where a player – you know, they used to have the, the world championship cut based on, and they, they would make it just because they shot 6,000 over on Cheetah. And then we've had it at team trials, the same thing where, you know, before the, uh, the new point system that we use to determine the rankings, a player would just whack one or two patterns and they'd make the team and they maybe weren't the most well-rounded player. And so it's like, hey, there's some better players here that didn't have a chance to make the team because they just like one pattern.
2: Right. That's exactly right. You just have to, you know, even the field, y'all make it, y'all start at zero. We did have a couple players not realize that they didn't read all the way. They just were excited and said, Hey, we got a long way to make up. And I said, for what? And they said, well, you know, Shannon and Liz are so far ahead of us in total pins. I said, you guys are all equal right now. They're like, let's go. (laughs) (laughs) They gave them a whole new mindset and, Couple of them did pretty well.
0: Yeah, it's it's that's funny. That's funny. You know, um, uh, yep. Sometimes players don't read all the the rules when they go into a competition. <laughs> and very that, important. Yeah, very I,
2: very important.
0: I know that's a a topic that's near and dear to your heart.
2: <laughs> you have two rules. Read the rules, and read the rules. <laughs> <laughs> read the rules and see rule number one. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> the old uh karate kid reference
2: yes yeah Rule well, number one
1: well as a uh, as a fan calling the action throughout the course of that i, I actually enjoyed the reset uh because obviously you know as we mentioned some some folks had gotten ahead of the pack uh and you know essentially that whole first round was a brand new toss-up a brand new event uh, to kind of see where players would would fall throughout the course of the competition, and you know, obviously Lindsay was uh, the top performer. I think 19 and five in match play. Uh, Jillian was excellent throughout the course as well. Uh, getting back to Jillian, though, we uh, had a lot of comments. A lot of folks were a, we're trying to find a nickname for, which is I, I suppose is a good thing uh, if if you're nickname worthy. No, it's
0: always good when someone's trying to figure out a nickname. I, exactly. For yeah. But
1: uh, the second thing was the comparisons. It's who does Jillian Martin remind you of? And we had Hall of Famers chiming in, future Hall of Famers. We had uh, Tammy Turner's name thrown out there. We had Nikki Giannullis. We had EJ Tackett thrown out there, all as comparisons of, uh, you know, what folks saw in what Jillian was doing. So, Neil for you, uh, you know, what was the – or which players kind of uh, just seen Jillian out there doing uh, Jillian Martin things who did she remind you of?
2: Oh, she reminded me of Tennille Milligan. No, That's I'm just funny. kidding. <laughs> no, she, oh, just getting up there bowling, just to bowl, wasn't afraid. Definitely a lot like Tammy Turner. I mean, I saw a lot of Tammy in, in that. Um, uh, even, I mean, yeah, just just that fierce fieryness of, of, in every shot, the other person that I thought of when I saw how much, you know, emotion and she was just animated and was Jeannie Nacarado and Robin Romeo. And go back a little bit further. Those two ladies, when they struck, you knew it because they were fist pump and they weren't, you know, jumping everywhere um, in that sense. But they were you knew they had emotion. They they weren't afraid to show that. And I think sometimes we get into this little ball and that we can't show emotion when we're bowling when we should show emotion when we're bowling at the right times. Obviously if you're bowling bad, I don't want, I don't want to see that emotion on the lanes. You just take that to the locker room. Yeah. But if you're bowling well, it is fun. It's contagious. And I think the bowling fans enjoy seeing that. It's not just so, eh, I threw a strike. Eh, I threw another strike. Yay. I mean, you don't even do that. And, and it was, I think, hard in this environment because there was, I mean, besides all of us being bowling fans, there weren't any fans. Well, Jillian's dad, but he rooted for everybody. Yeah. It didn't matter. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Didn't just root for Jillian, but she was showing that because of the joy. She didn't show off because of the fans. She showed up because she was in the moment of every shot. Yeah. And I I think that goes back a little bit further of, you know, back in the day when they did that, they showed the emotion. So,
0: yeah, I I thought it was interesting because there were a couple of players that were kind of like, you know, should I be upset about this? She just slapped one off on me. And it's interesting because our players respect each other so much, you know, that they, they typically don't, you don't see a lot of, you know, gamesmanship and shenanigans and the kinds of things that you see, you know, on another gender tour, uh, which are great. I love those (laughs) things as well. I think, I think it's awesome, but, uh, you know, I think Jillian actually got in a few people's heads because, you know, she was slapping stuff off and running stuff out and, The the players had to think for a second, like, "Hey, is she doing this to like get in my head or, but I don't think she was. I think she was just doing it just out of pure emotion
2: and and pure joy. She did it all the time. I mean, she did it all the time. And it wasn't directed at anybody. It's not like when she bowled somebody, she was doing it more and more because it would get in their head. She just did it. That was her. That was the way I think she just stayed pumped up, stayed in the moment. She was, you know, yeah. So she threw a Brooklyn. She was like, you know, <laughs> she yeah. still took advantage of it. Yeah. But yes, I do believe because we haven't seen that in a long time yeah. that some of the athletes were like, "Whoa, what's going on here?" Yeah. I'm but gonna- I, again, I just go back and think about it. It's like, eh, if we all had 16-year-old energy. We would be okay. <laughs> Jillian,
0: you're getting in the players' heads, Jillian. <laughs> Jillian, shh, don't tell anybody. <laughs> you're getting in their heads. Keep, keep doing it. <laughs>
2: And the beauty of on the other side of it is one thing the athletes probably didn't watch, which I wouldn't assume they would watch, but I do because I'm always watching is the sense that when she was bowling and her opponent beat her, she sat in the background and still clapped for him.
0: Yeah. She's still. Yeah. She's such a great sports person and a great attitude. I mean, her dad is a very impressive guy. When you talk to him, you just realize like, he did a great job raising Jillian and, you know, she does things the right way. Yeah, um, she, so it was just all. She,
2: yeah, sorry. She was still in awe. I th- She respected every single one of those ladies that was on the lanes because she has been watching them wanting to do what they're doing week in and week out. And she was a part of that. And she, I just, I mean, we had two bowling fans. I still believe she was one watching and learning, but she had a, a great sportsmanship.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I guess to kind of close this out, um, before we ask the fun questions, uh, what were, what was, what did it mean the most to you about running this event? You know, this last, this last week and a half. And, you know, what are you going to take into the future with knowing that we were able to pull off, you know, this event? <sighs>
2: It was so important. It was very, very important, you know. 490 days, I think is what the number we counted up before, you know, since we had an event, Uh, better than 12 years. Better than 12 years, so 490 days to get women's bowling back on, you know, bowl TV, back in front of the fans and more importantly, for them, for those athletes to have a place to play and be excited again. Um, that's why it was so important. I think to show, hey, bowling, bowling's back. We're not going anywhere. We just had to find the right time. And um, of course, you know, how safe we can do so.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It, it, uh, it certainly did seem like a renewal um, after all the bad things that we've all been through and, you know, missing out on the season and people, you know, people like Christy Leong losing her dad you know just to bring bring this back and make people happy and have have some fun it was it was pretty awesome
2: it was and you know the takeaway from it is you know we did it we did it successfully we will meet with our team to figure out what was good what was bad what we can improve on and i believe there's a little bit of everything in that but I think the biggest takeaway is that we know we can do it again.
0: Yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure. All right. Well, let's have some fun, Aaron. What do you say? Not this- that this hasn't been fun so far. Well, Let's
1: have even more fun. We're nobody
2: ahead. likes to have fun with the tournament director.
1: <laughs> Especially when they get called into your office, I hear. Yeah, know, I, I read about that as well throughout the course of the week. I but- walked
0: past a <laughs> few of those meetings. I, I wasn't putting my head in the door.
2: I don't. I just said, hey, welcome back Dust off those cobwebs. Don't do that again.
1: <laughs> all right, Tenille, Uh looking at some of the fun questions we had, uh, what was the first meal after you got to leave the ITRC and uh, the, the hotel back at home, back out? What was the first meal you had after all this excitement? JT, same question for you afterwards. Yeah,
0: I'll,
2: I'll, yeah. My first meal. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna include this one with my first meal with my family. Sushi. We had sushi. I could eat sushi every day, and I went. This this is the longest time I think without ordering sushi. So, yeah, we ate it like three days in a row. Wow, nice.
1: nice. Any, any place particular here in uh, DFW? Uh, let's
2: see. Where did we go? We went to Kura. Yeah, the there's a revolving sushi yeah. sushi bar, Kura, um, and then we just had another one that opened near us named Akari. In our local, our local supermarket, it ain't so bad. So sometimes we just grab it from there.
1: Excellent, JT for you.
0: So for me, um, my family actually did consider it a special occasion that I was home and eating dinner with them uh, the night I came back and so they made my favorite dish which is spaghetti carbonara from bond 45 which has the special guanciale uh uh bacon and uh, poached egg i did have to poach the eggs because i'm still the only one in the family gotta <laughs> poach an egg but i was okay it was worth it and uh so that's what we had it was it was one of the best meals i've i've had in a while
1: All right. Very nice. Very nice. Next question. Was there anything that you didn't pack for this trip that you regret not having throughout the course of the 10 days or so?
2: Man, I wasn't I mean, I was in the bowling center quite a bit, so I wasn't in my in my room bubble as much. But when I did go back, yeah, the one thing I do regret is an extra bottle of wine. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Uh, that's awesome that's uh yeah i'm not gonna argue with you on that one i yeah my hand up for that one too if i was there but yeah uh, jt how about you so this is like the
0: dumbest one of the dumbest mistakes you could make if especially if you know you're bald guy like me i actually forgot to bring a razor uh i brought a like a hair clipper and cause I, I trim my beard with that. Uh, but I, I also shave my head with a razor and I, I haven't traveled in so long. I always keep you know an, an extra razor in my, in my uh, toiletry bag and I didn't put a razor in there. So uh, yeah, the first day I, I was like, I need to shave my head. I go in my bag, I'm like, I didn't bring a razor. What, what am I doing? And so I had to use the clippers with the zero setting Uh, just to try to get it as short as I could. But yeah, I I forgot to bring a razor. I did bring, one thing I did bring though, was uh, my cappuccino machine. And uh, the word was starting to get around by the end of the week that I had a cappuccino machine in my room and people were asking me for orders. So anyway, that was, at least I brought the cappuccino machine, but I forgot the razor.
2: So without bringing a razor, does that explain why you were always having headphones on your head?
0: Yeah, that that helps hide it a little bit. So All that right. that's nice. But uh yeah, I mean uh I was pretty shaggy by the end of that uh you know 12 days <laughs> on top.
1: <laughs> well, there we go. You can never tell on bull TV though. So that was you look great the whole time, JT. Yep. All right, uh final question uh for both of you. This is uh this is a longer format question to answer. Uh, So uh, are there any funny, great, hilarious, scary stories from uh, the long walks back and forth from the hotel to the ITRC? I I know some of the players had some experiences. I believe uh, Mr. Gottschall had an experience as well. But uh, uh, as far as you guys, did you have anything that was just kind of crazy that happened? And, you know, even outside the walk, anything that was just uh, just funny story for the players, just something cool that you can share? that uh, you wouldn't have experienced if you weren't in this unique situation?
2: Well, I didn't take those long walks. I took that very short drive. I drove my car back and forth just in case there was an emergency to have on hand. But the funny story that I have from that is just texts from players, you know, warning me, hey, when you walk back, because I thought I walked. Be careful, there's a wild animal near the pond. So there's a little pond that was right between where the ITRC and the hotel is. And I guess a couple players had experience, including Rob, with an animal. Some described it as a beaver. There's no beaver in this pond. Um, Big splashes. Um, I said it was, uh, you know. It could have been a woodpecker. I don't know, a turtle, or maybe the uh, chabra. <laughs> yeah, the chupacabra is real.
0: Uh, can we tell Rob's story? Yeah, it's so great. I mean, Rob is so passionate about it. So it's it would be awesome to have him on to tell the story. But I'll I'll give it a give it a whirl. So he said he was walking back one night like he said there's like a there's a pond in front of the hotel that you have to walk over like a 5 foot wide bridge with no railing on it right it's just you just walk over it and he said he was on his phone looking down walking across the bridge it's it's dead of it's you know 11 o'clock at night so it's dark nobody's out and he says all of a sudden he's on the bridge and It was like somebody threw a bowling ball into the water and a water like splashed up on him. And he's like, what the heck was that?
2: It might've been a bowling ball, depending on which day of (laughs) quote.
0: It was, it was Diana Z throwing her bowling ball from up in the tree. Uh, She might've been trying to hit Rob from, you know, the days when he was her tour rep. Uh, But anyway, so uh, he, he was, he was like, Am I going crazy? Am I losing? What was, what the heck was that? And then he found out later that some of the players were, were reporting that there, there was like an animal somewhere out there that, you know, was, was, uh, you know, but anyway, there was also uh, there, there's a a building next door to the hotel where they do police, like, like riot drills and training. And so one night there was a, um, like a riot dummy set up behind like, like this column. So uh, Nick Horoshny the, the, um, the uh, manager of the ITRC facility, said he was walking back one night and he saw this thing standing behind this column he thought someone was like scoping him out. Uh, so yeah, it was, it was, I mean, it was, this is a nice neighborhood, it's, it's safe, but it was just funny that uh, there were a couple little quirky uh, things that happened uh, with, with respect to the walk. It was a four-minute yeah. walk from the uh, front door of the hotel to the ITRC.
2: Yeah, Rob didn't want to tell that story until we had mentioned, hey, be careful walking back. And he's like, so it did happen. He was very adamant.
0: <laughs> yeah, he was just so happy that he wasn't going insane. Uh, so, yeah. but yeah. matter of
2: fact, I'm going to I'm gonna say it was um, Missy Parkin and Danielle McCune. Mm-hmm. I'm going to... I'm calling them out. So when they get their text from friends on there, but they were already concerned, Hey, Missy and Danielle don't make, make it to qualifying because they were attacked by a beaver on the way. Down. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
2: I, I, I believe Missy
1: actually shared that story on her. Uh, she does her one take show. So she actually did it from uh, during one of the days. She did it from that little pond there. Uh, so that was uh, pretty interesting as well here and hearing that story and kind of the the background on it. So.
2: Yeah, so now we have just got to be careful of the wild animals that are roaming around. We do have geese that roam mm-hmm. around the IBC, um, so I don't think it was one of those.
0: Yeah, yeah, it was. Uh, it was. It was a week. It was an interesting week. A lot of interesting things happened. Aaron, you have any more fun questions for Tanil before we wrap uh,
1: up? No, but I do have a fun story I would like to share from uh, a, an awfully scary experience I had that falls around the kickoff classic series. So it was the day after or two days after it had wrapped up. So the Thursday, last Thursday uh, and I'm in the office uh, here excited to be back. Matt and I are doing an inside the OC podcast and uh, you know, he sends me notes every week like we do for the show. I went and I printed printed them out and I was going to go toss them here in the, in the studio. And so, you know, I, and when I walked in all the lights were off and I could, you know, really couldn't see anything, but I, I see all the gears in here. So I knew JT had cleaned it up. He had brought it back up here. And, uh, you know, I go to throw the paper just on the table we have on the side. And you ever have a feeling that someone's just looking at you, someone's just staring at you, but you don't know it.
0: I'm, it, I'm listening. Just keep going.
1: Exactly. And, uh, you're, you're like, what is that? Why, why, why someone look at me? Why someone's sitting in here right now. And all of a sudden I looked over, I may have said words that I can't say on here. <laughs> and bernie sanders is sitting at the desk from from the week just staring at the out the door waiting for the first person to uh have this experience and it was me and i was terrified aaron
0: so, aaron did you enjoy the pwba kickoff classic
1: i i did very much so bernie it was, I, it was I enjoyed it as well thank you so much for the recommendation to subscribe to bowl tv all right we hope you got that annual subscription locked down so it, it still is a little cold in here, though. All right. Can I borrow your mittens when this is all said and done? It is chilly in here. Sure, sure. Mm-hmm. I, I, yes, just make sure you pay your taxes. <laughs> but, uh, yes, that's what I walked into first time I uh, came in here. And I, I believe I sent JT a text, which also had words that I cannot say uh, here on this broadcast. But, uh, but yes, that was a, a nice, fun moment. A good laugh to uh, wrap up the uh, the excitement of the Kickoff Classic Series. So.
2: I mean, that tells you how exciting it was for us when we're just having Bernie Sanders show up <laughs> In and everywhere. And, you know, I, I think the athletes really appreciated that they had somebody else cheering for him. But at one point I did have one of the ladies say, can you turn him around? He's kind of freaking <laughs> me out.
0: He's a little freaky. What, you know, what can you say? But he, that was, that was a great story from the, from the tournament as well. Just having Bernie Sanders uh, blow up and then having us actually make a blow up of Bernie Sanders and having him on the show. That was pretty fun.
2: Hey, that, that's what was so great about, you know, that day, you know, a big day in history for us. And when I say yes, I meant the PWA tour kicked off.
1: <laughs> I, I think when JT mentioned this Bernie Sanders meme bit, I'm like, "What? what's a Bernie Sanders meme? I'm like, oh, what's what happened? And it's like, oh, the thing that's going around I'm like if it happened, if it didn't happen, in the ITRC in the past four days, I have no idea what it is because that's the only thing I, I saw. So I'm like, okay, we're just gonna go with it. We'll have fun. So it was all right. Was yeah, I'm in,
0: I'm in talks right now to make Bernie Sanders a regular on the show. He's gonna come back and after each Bull TV event and explain what <laughs> what he thinks of, of of the coverage. So I think that'll be a good uh, a good ongoing feature for us to uh, you know. It's not often you have a U.S. senator on your uh, list of subscribers.
2: But I think that goes back to Aaron, you didn't know what was happening. You didn't understand the Bernie Sanders purpose of being there. A lot of the athletes didn't either. And I I don't know if a lot of our, our, you know, loyal watchers understood because they were watching so much Bull TV and they were so invested in that and not really watching the inauguration. Um, But so thank you. Thank you to our Bull TV crew for putting in all those hours to make sure that nobody else paid attention to anything else but PWBA for ten days,
0: I I had so many calls of people just saying I got no work done the last ten days. Uh, I was skipping meetings because I wanted to watch. I couldn't take my eyes off of PWBA. So that, that's pretty cool.
2: Yes, that makes that makes my you know black. Slash red heart.
0: (laughs) Three sizes small. (laughs) Well, Tanil, thanks for uh, taking some time. I know you're busy planning, you know, what's coming up for PWBA, but thanks for taking the time today to join us on the show. And uh, we look forward to having you on again soon after we have another set of great events.
2: Thank you guys. I really appreciate it and um, keep up the good work.
1: Thank you. We will. Absolutely. Thanks, Daniel.
0: Well, sir, I didn't think I was going to get to, to uh, talk to Bernie Sanders today,
1: but we I, did it. We we did. I we brought brought around full circle. So I, I I remember you mentioned you wanted the opportunity, and when we were going through these stories, I'm like, eh, that's a pretty good story. That <laughs> is a good. I, one. It, it scared the, the, you know what, out of me. But it uh, it, it was fun afterwards. I. Ironically enough, I, I kept looking like every time I was walking around the halls, I was waiting to see someone else here uh, and like, like, hey, take a look in there. And then but I never found anyone. OK, so, so it'll now, happen. So now if everyone on campus is watching, they're going to know that Bernie's hanging. It'll out here. happen
0: naturally. Don't worry. Don't worry. We'll uh, get a few more scares out of it.
1: I, I, I'm sure we will. <laughs> it, it's literally like JT and I are like six feet apart right now. There's like a little it's it's almost. uh yeah. Like another seat at like another seat. Like, yeah. Like right over here. where right. My arm is, it's just right at the door out. And yep. Yep. Bernie, the monster. But folks, the PWBA is back. What a, uh, what a magical week, uh historical week, uh, just such an awesome thing to be a part of. And, you know, we, uh, we, we joked a lot during the uh, broadcast about the long hours and, uh, occasionally getting delirious, but it was, uh, it was so much fun to be back to to be a part of the the bowling world once again. In that way, you know, we've been doing these podcasts and they've been great and they've been fun getting to know the players, uh, you know, on and off the lanes. But uh, it, it was so fun to see the, the best bowlers in the world competing once again, competing at a high level, making big time shots. All the finals were so great. Uh, every step ladder final came down to those final few frames. Someone making a big shot, doing something big to uh, put themselves in position to win a title, we crown champions again, JT, and that's what it's all about here. Uh, so, you know, folks, uh, once again, a an opportunity to pitch annual and monthly subscriptions. You can go and watch all those archives uh, of the entire Kickoff Classic series available on BoldTV.com in the archived events section. But, uh, yeah, just a uh, just an amazing week, and uh, I can't uh, can't wait for the next one.
0: Yeah, me too. I, I'm really excited about it. And uh, it's really great to have PWBA bowling back. We're going to have a power ranking soon. So we know who the best players in the world are after, uh, you know, week week one on, on tour. And uh, looking forward to seeing how it all unfolds. You know, can anybody unseat Shannon O'Keefe as player of the year? Um, you know, she had a great week, but mm-hmm. uh, she was overshadowed a little bit, even though she won one of the tournaments um, by, you know, a few other players. And so it'll be cool to see how she bounces back. She had a little injury, which, uh, she said, you know, she's, she's doing okay with, and, and now has a few months off to, um, to rest until we start back up again. But, uh, it's going to be an exciting season and I'm looking forward to, to covering it. I feel like um, the fans were super excited and really supported it. And so I hope, you know, you guys continue to support it and tell your friends, you know, the about all the great storylines out here on tour and all the, the great coverage that we're able to do on Bull TV. And, um, you know, the best way to help the PWBA is to subscribe to Bull TV and watch it. So uh, hope hopefully you all do that. And speaking of Bull TV, uh, we've got another event coming up this weekend. We covered um, one, our first collegiate event of the year. Uh, Last week at the Prairie View A&M Invitational and uh, McKendree University, Shannon O'Keefe, took home that title uh, with her team. Uh, But we have another event coming up uh, uh, this this weekend, uh, Saturday and Sunday, the Mid-States Championships in Wichita.
1: Yep. Heading to the legendary North Rock Lane. So uh, always a great venue to hold an event at. Uh, It's going to be two full days of bowling, uh, traditional games on Saturday and uh baker on sunday so total pinfall event uh so we will crown uh two more champions here on bowl and uh before we get to the weekend a few more podcasts coming up jt is going to be back at it on wednesday uh bowling Explained will be back with lou marquez
0: yeah still working on you know getting that show uh finalized but yeah that's um that show will be back and then um Next week we'll also have um, the Bull for the Cure folks on the PWBA podcast to kick off um, uh, Breast Cancer Awareness Month.
1: That'll be a uh, pretty cool edition of the PWBA podcast. That'll be a first for us as well. Uh, so that'll be uh, that'll be a great conversation. And going to be be doing a lot of learning on that one. Uh, and if, uh Inside the OC Thursday, Thursday, uh, two p.m. Eastern. Chris Hahn's going to be the guest uh, with Matt Canzaro and myself. Uh, so he's a great competitor from uh, the North Carolina area. Uh, Bulls with a pretty great group who's found some success at the tournament. And uh, he's uh, uh, also in the pro shop industry. So we'll get a few different uh, different takes from that on Thursday. Uh, so, folks, that's what we uh, kind of have coming up here on Bull TV in the next uh, next couple days, week or so. Uh, so be sure to check it out. Tell your friends. Share the good news on social media. But for our guest today, Tennille Milligan, jason thomas a guest appearance from bernie sanders my name is aaron smith thanks again for watching the pwba podcast here on bowl tv and remember folks on bowl tv bowling lives here have a great day